You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. Let's continue to worship and praise His holy name. Let's thank Him for this beautiful morning. It is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the last Saturday in August. By next Saturday, we shall have begun the so-called Ember Month. Next Saturday is going to be in September. When did we start this year? Hasn't God been good? He's been so good. Celebrate His goodness. Celebrate His kindness to you. His mercy to your loved ones. Raise your voice and say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I bless your name. Lord, I give you thanks. I give you praise. Because you are worthy of praise. Today and forever, you are worthy of praise. Thank you for January, for February, all the way to this last Saturday in the month of August. Be thy exalted, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the many rules that you have averted that we are not aware of. Thank you for the many good things you've done for us that we do not deserve. Thank you, Lord God, for showing us mercy in this year of divine mercy. We appreciate you. We thank you. We give you thanks. Thank you for our loved ones. Thank you, Lord God, for people all around us. Thank you for our dear nation, Nigeria. Thank you, Lord God, because you are in charge. It does not matter what is around us. We know that you are in charge and that all things we ultimately answer to you. We worship your holy name. Blessed be your holy name, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. As we go into the rest of this service, Lord, we pray that you will have your way. Lord, I pray that you will speak through me, and I pray that you will give us ears that listen to you, hearts that obey you, and hands that do your will. In the name of Jesus Christ, blessed be your holy name forever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you are excited to be around here, shout hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. It's been a very interesting time. It's been a month of learning and relearning and unlearning. In fact, as we are studying through scriptures, different characters under the series called Stars and Scars, I myself have grown. I've seen so many things in the ways I've not seen them before. The Lord has been very kind to make his words clearer, clearer, clearer to us. And I pray that we will not just be speakers, teachers, preachers, or hearers of the word only, but we will be active doers in the name of Jesus Christ. We will not fall victims of the things that we have brought out as the scars and the things that made stars to trip. We will not fall victims of those things in the name of Jesus Christ. Before we go on, let's go to our text for the month. In this month, you recall that we started a series on stars and scars, and we picked our text from the book of First Corinthians, chapter ten, verses eleven and twelve. Bible says, "Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come." He said it happened to them as examples. I remember back then in school. When you're doing quantitative aptitude, they will give you very simple examples. And when you get to the exam, you'll be scratching your head because the actual exercises in the exam are very different, a bit more complicated than the examples. And this is exactly what we're supposed to expect in this world. So the examples that we've been given in scriptures, they are simpler than the realities we now find today. So what we need to do is to thoroughly understand the example. And I'm speaking from experience. If you thoroughly understand the examples, then you can tackle the complex problems that you meet in exam. This life is an exam hall. The scriptures are the examples we have. So if you thoroughly understand the examples, then we can go ahead and apply the same principles laid behind the examples to our real life issues of real life exercises of real life challenges. That we face today. And those examples will work for us. So that's why the Bible says they were written for our examples. And that they are dead for admonition upon whom the end of age has come. Say, therefore, verse 12. Therefore, 
That is, as a result of what has happened in verse 11. Therefore, because you have seen the examples and you will be so quick to say, oh, it's very easy. And many of us feel victim of that. When you go to some classes, everything looks so easy. You say, oh, forget it. I'm not going to study for this exam. I will just breathe in, breathe out and blast. Instead of blasting, sometimes our heads have been blasted by our parents because we came back with capital zero with two ears and, uh, you know, something that looks like two big eyes. We came back with zero because we took for granted the examples. We thought they were too simple. We did not take heed. We thought we were better. We thought we already grabbed all the principles. So we did not pay particular attention to the tricks and traps that experienced teachers and examiners can deploy when we enter the real exam hall. He said, don't think that you are so smart. In verse 12, he says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. That is, if you are thinking that you are so strong and you are better than the people whose lives we've been studying, he said, don't fall for that mistake. You are not stronger. He said, take heed. That is, be careful. Beware. So that you do not fall. So that you do not fall. In this series, we've looked at two different stars already. You remember our brother Samson? We started with Samson in the, in the first part of this series. The superman who got carried away. You still remember him? He didn't know that as a masquerade, when you want to enter the express, you be careful. I'm sure you've heard the song. He did not know. He thought he was such a superman. He got carried away doing things he had no business doing. Something forgot that every superman must have his kryptonite that he should watch out for and not go and toy with. Something forgot to deal with his own. We mentioned some of the things, the Achilles heel of our brother Superman Samson. We talked about his impulsiveness. We talked about his uncurbed sexual immorality. We talked about his misappropriation of the gifting of God. God gave him something and he used it for himself only to fulfill his own desires. We talked about his self-reliance. How Samson thought everything revolved around him and he forgot that there is something called the giver of grace the giver of gifts and he would deploy the gifts like it all belonged to him without recourse to the giver and at some point he thought he would just shake himself and rouse himself like before the bible says he did not know that the spirit of the lord had departed from him May that not be our portion in the name of Jesus. We saw other things in the life of Samson that it was a man who didn't learn from his mistakes. You know, I remember today, I don't know why I'm remembering so much about primary school and secondary schools. You remember when you do some exercises and you got some and missed some, then the teacher will come to class and do something called correction. Correction. So they will write out the questions again and write the correct answers. Samson was a guy who never paid attention when the teacher was writing correction on the board. Something made many mistakes and repeated them. As a result of not learning from the mistakes he made before, he repeated them and he landed him in catastrophe. So don't be like Samson. Samson was a man who liked to go solo. He didn't have friends. He didn't have people who were watching out for him. When he entered enemy territories, he was vulnerable and he was gone. Being Superman will not save you from some situations if you always go alone. Even our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was going through his most turbulent moment at the Garden of Gethsemane, where he prayed and sweated so much, that it looked as if he was dripping blood. He went with three of the guys in his inner circle. You need people. Samson did not feel that he needed anyone. He kept going alone until he went on a journey of no return. And of course, Samson was a man who would rather react than act strategically. Samson was someone who was always reacting to things. He didn't have his own strategic objective or mission or purpose and he did not follow through. He will wait for something to happen. Then he will behave as a reaction to what has happened. That is not how to live. And we all know how Samson ended. And our prayer is that we will not end like that in the name of Jesus Christ. The second star we saw in our series is the man Saul, the pathfinder who lost his way, the first king of Israel. First, but it wasn't the best. Of course, it wasn't the best king of Israel. If you are making references to best kings of Israel, you are not going to mention Saul, you are going to mention David. 
You're going to mention David and some other kings in the lineage of David. Even though Saul was the one who created the pathway of what it means to be a king. He established what it looked like to have dynasty. And but then he could not translate that kingship to even his own son, Jonathan, for just one generation. The kingdom was taken away from him on the altar of disobedience. You recall that brother Samson that we talked about earlier. We talked about how he was born a star, how an angel came to his parents twice to talk about the fact that this superman would be born. Saul was different. Saul was your regular guy. He wasn't born a star like that. At least there were no angels coming to announce him. And you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about faking angels, holograms that you see on social media. No. In, in the life of Samson, there was actually a real angel that came. But in the life of Saul, there was no angel that came. Apart from the fact that God already told his servant Saul, I mean Samuel, that, oh, Saul will be coming and this is the king I want you to make for Israel. He was your regular guy. And he started out very well, very well. He was doing fantastically well. The spirit of the Lord was with him. The power of God was at work. He went to battle and won and all that. He started well, but after a while, two years or thereabout, he missed his way. Monumental disobedience that crashed his career. Even though he remained in office for over a decade, he lost relevance. He was just occupying position. Because he missed it. The Pathfinder lost his way. His GPS lost signal. The Pathfinder was lost. And like the rest of us, you know, we think that because we have excuses, God is going to, you know, overlook our disobedience. So disobeyed God. He was supposed to wait for the servant of God, Samuel, to come and offer offerings to God and receive instruction on what to do next. But he couldn't wait. So disobeyed. And he kept bringing excuses. He gave three fantastic excuses. And God said, I'm having none of it. Go and ask Adam. Adam had an excuse. God asked him, why did you do it? He said, the wife you gave me. Did God still not punish him? God punished him and punished the wife. If we disobey God willfully, no excuse will be enough. I'll say that again. If we disobey God willfully, no excuse will be enough. So Saul kept thinking, oh, it's because... You didn't show up in good time. It's because the people had already left me. It's because the enemies are too many and they are, they are ramping up and they are going to crush me. That's why I had to do what I had to do. And like the rest of us, we also have our excuses, but we know how Saul ended. And that's not how we will end in the name of Jesus. I say, may we not end like Saul in the name of Jesus. Today, we wrap up this series with the last and a very unlikely star. John the Baptist, the forerunner who got offended. Father, we pray that as we study the life of John the Baptist, that you open our eyes in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, teach us afresh. Teach us anew. Give us a kind of heart that listens to you. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke chapter 1. I'm going to do a lengthy read today. Luke chapter 1, I'll read from verse um, 5, I'm going to read from verse 5, maybe I'll read through to 17, yep, it's going to be a long read, so please carry your Bible with me, open your Bible, turn your digital Bibles to the book of Luke, and we're going to read chapter 1, and here we go, alright, so the Bible says concerning this man John. It says, there was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Come on, blameless. But the Bible says in verse 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both advanced in years. This is intriguing. Hmm? The Bible says, these guys, they had good upbringing. The father of the man, is not yet a father here, the man, Zacharias, was a priest. 
He was a man of God. The wife was not a nobody. She was from the descendant of Aaron, the grand priest. So, two clergy, they married. Choir master and Ed Usher, they married. The Bible says they were righteous people. I didn't say it. See what the Bible says. The Bible says they were righteous before God, not before man. This is not man's judgment. Righteous before God. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the law. Blameless. Full stop. Blameless. Yet, verse 7 doesn't make any sense to me. Verse 7 says, but they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren. Oh, really? So it's possible that we are righteous and God will come late to our party. It's possible that we are righteous and the things we should have obtained by reason of time, of age, of effort, of qualification, of everything we know how to do, which we have done well, in fact, which has been attested to by God's own testimony that we are doing well. And then, Nothing to show for it. They had a right to be offended. But Zechariah kept on serving God. In fact, the Bible says he kept on following the, the, you know, the timetable. The day you are supposed to go inside the temple, a man went there. No attitude. He didn't say, well, I'll just do it anyhow because even this God said, we don't know what they do. The Bible says he went there. He did his job normally, normally. Normally, verse um, 8, yeah, says, so it was, while he was serving as a priest before God, in the order of his division, according to the custom of priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of Israel was praying outside at the hour of incense. Bible says in verse 11, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense and when Zechariah saw him he was troubled and fear fell upon him but the angel said to him do not be afraid Zechariah for your prayer is heard Lord Jesus may your prayer be heard in the name of Jesus Christ I pray for you this morning in the name of Jesus may your prayers be heard may you hear an announcement from heaven that your prayer is heard May you see a sign that your prayer is heard. In the name of Jesus, you might have been praying for months. You might have been praying for years. You might have been praying for weeks. I do not care. But I decree and declare in the name of Jesus Christ. May you have your prayers answered. In the name of Jesus Christ. On this particular day, this was what happened to Zechariah. The angel of God appeared to him. Maybe he's been there before. He just didn't see. The angel then appeared to him and said, Zechariah, you might have forgotten that you were praying. Maybe you are no longer praying those prayer points. You know, a time comes, you stop praying your prayer points. Not that you don't need the thing you are praying about, but you have given up. That is like God is not interested in doing it. Let me just leave it. Maybe Zechariah was at that point in his life, but the angel came to remind him, saying, your prayers... I've been answered them. In case he didn't know which prayer, because you know, sometimes we don't pray all kind of prayer. We don't even remember where we stopped. We don't even remember how the, the prayer has done some metamorphosis and it has become something. You know, you start asking God, God, give me an iPhone. When you pray, 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 the iPhone does not come. Say, God, can you make it a Samsung? When the Samsung refuses to come, you say, Lord, even if it's techno, Lord, can you make it a Nokia? You know, at some point, he might have even forgotten what he was asking. So the angel quickly reminded him, your prayer has been answered and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. Hmm. Not just you will have a child. She will bear you a son, specifically. The Bible says, and you shall call his name John. John was not an ordinary guy. He was a superstar. You know, we established with Samson and this is what happens with some superstars. God doesn't just send them to this planet. He sends a messenger ahead of them to go and announce somebody special is coming. You've got to treat him with some level of respect and loyalty. So by all standards, John was born a star. Why? An angel came and even mentioned his name. It's like they already had the birth certificate printed in heaven. The angel mentioned his name. This boy, his name shall be called John. 
very special. Look at his profile. Look at the profile of the child. If you go to verse 15, the Bible says concerning John, it says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Come on now, come on, come on now. Ah, ah. Filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. That is the spirit, the attitude, the charisma of Elijah will be upon him. He said, to turn the hearts of the fathers of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Come on. This was not an ordinary guy. This man is a star. In fact, Jesus attested to the fact that this man is a star. Go to the book of John chapter 5. Go to chapter 5 of the book of John. See what Jesus has to say about John. Jesus said concerning John, he said, It was the burning and shining lamp. He didn't say a burning. He said the burning and shining lamp. John was unique. He was very bright. The Bible says, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. John was not just a light bearer. He was light. The Bible says he was a lamp. Burning and shining. I don't have time to teach on the difference between burning and shining today. But let it just be. That we recognize that John was not someone who would just be born into obscurity. John was born into prominence. John was born a star. John lived well. Bible says, this is for me one of the most interesting parts. Filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. You won't have it better than this. If you go to the book of Luke uh, that we are reading here. Go to verse uh, 59. Let's go to verse 59. Quickly. Yeah. Verse 59. See what happened on the naming ceremony of John the Baptist. The Bible says, So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, that they would have called his name, the name of his father, Zechariah. But his mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. He shall be called John. I'm sure you know the story very well. When the angel of the Lord told the father, Oh, you're going to have a child. You're going to call his name John. The man doubted. And the angel said, hey, You don't know who you are talking to. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to bring you this goodness. Because you have disbelieved me, you shall be mute. So he muted the voice of uh, Zechariah. So he was mute all through the period. Thank God for learned people. I don't know how he must have communicated the name to his wife except he wrote. So that, that's why we always encourage. Please, whatever you need to do in this life, learning is part of it. Literacy is very important. So at some point, he must have communicated by writing to his wife. Say, this child, I had an encounter today. There was an angelic witness and I got the name of the child that you are going to conceive. His name shall be called John. So when they wanted to give him another name, the wife said no. Even though my husband cannot speak now, we have been communicating. He has told me that the name of this child will be called John. So family pressure was not sufficient to derail divine nomenclature. So the woman said, no, she shall be called John. But he said to her, there is none among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father that he would, that he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet. Hmm. Mr. Zacharias was very sophisticated. He had a tablet back then. Hmm. And wrote saying, his name is John. He wrote saying, his name is John. So we have to learn how to write. Hmm? So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them. And all those things went around throughout all the hill country of Judea. Listen to verse uh, 66. The Bible says, And all those who ate them kept it in their hearts, saying, What kind of child would this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. John was special. On his naming ceremony, a notable miracle happened. Not the one he performed. Of course, the Bible says John did not perform any miracle himself. Mm -mm, he didn't perform any miracle. 
the book of um, John chapter 10, if you go to verse 41, Bible says, John didn't perform any miracle, but everything he said was the truth. Everything he said about Jesus was the truth. So he was a man of truth, not a man of miracles. He lived well. Fantastic guy. He didn't claim to be the word of God. He said, no, I'm just a voice. If you read uh, 1 verse 23, he said, I'm just the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight his pathway. You know, I'm just a voice. I'm not the word himself. Mm -mm. The word is that one. Is the Lamb of God. Follow him. John was a special guy. And he grew up well. If you go to verse 80 of Luke chapter 1, the Bible says, And so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert in the day of his manifestation to Israel. That is, John, he, he, he went through the process. When he was supposed to wait, he waited. When he was supposed to get prepared, he prepared. John did everything right. Everything right. He fulfilled his ministry. His job was to identify and announce the Messiah. If you go to um, John chapter 1 verse 29, he did that perfectly well. Say, hey, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what he was born to do. He did it. He did it in his early 30s. That was what he was born to do. He fulfilled his life mandate when he was just about 30 years old. That was a great guy. By all standards, Waited for his time, prepared, he did not show up prematurely, he was not drinking and eating what every other person was eating, he was very special, he went to the desert, he was eating locust and honey, he had, you know, uh, goat skin, you know, as his cloth, not in fine suits or linen, you know, not in turtlenecks, you know, he wasn't wearing Gucci, you know, he was just a cool guy, doing the work of God, yet he missed it, and this is the part that scares me. How can you be all this? Born well, announced by an angel, lived right, did everything right, and at the end you miss it. How? Despite all that, all those antecedents, the end was not as glorious as the beginning. Why? This is the puzzle for me. This is why I started studying the life of this star. This is why I began to look, Lord, what else do I need to do? What else do we need to do as a people? It's not enough to start well. It's how we end that matters. And it's the journey that takes us to the end that we should be asking for details of how things went wrong. Turn your Bibles with me as we study what happened to John. How did he end up as the least in God's kingdom? Yet the greatest ever born by a woman. Jesus said it. I didn't say it. How did it happen? What really happened? Matthew chapter 11. Lord, have mercy on us. Show us your word, Lord. Open our eyes, Lord. I'm going to read a few verses. Matthew chapter 11. The Bible says, now, listen to me, please. I'm begging you, please pay attention now. If you have not been paying attention before, please pay attention now. It says, now it came to pass. I'm reading the book of Matthew chapter 11. I'm reading from verse 1. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Verse 2 is my emphasis. The Bible says, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? The Bible says in verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, that is the messengers that John sent, two of his disciples Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Verse 6, And blessed is he, 
who is not offended because of me. I read verse 6 again. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. A bit of context so that you get what is really going on here. This was John, a man who had been preaching and calling people back to repentance. And Pharisees and tax collectors have been so impacted by his ministry that they trooped to go and listen to him at the outskirts of town by the river Jordan. And they were asking him, what do we need to do to be saved? And he kept preaching to them. If you have two garments and somebody doesn't have, he said, give one to him. If you are a tax collector, don't oppress people, don't harass them. Do what is right. If you are a soldier, don't use brute force on people. Do what is right. And you know, he kept on going. He kept on going. The Pharisees were asking him, who are you? By whose authority do you say this is? Are you the one or what? He said, no, I'm not the one. I'm just a messenger. I'm just the one who has been sent ahead of him to prepare the way for him. And there is one who is coming after me who is greater than I am. The latches of whose shoes I'm not even worthy to touch. He said, I baptize you with water. But when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. John was doing all that. Then suddenly, one day, he stood there. You know, let's even go there. John chapter 1. One day he stood there and he was doing his thing. Just as he had been doing on previous days. The Bible says in verse 29 of John chapter 1. The next day. Okay. uh, The the previous uh, passage shows when they were asking him. Okay. John, who are you? Blah, blah, blah. And he has answered them. I was just sent here to baptize. Blah, blah, blah. So in verse 29, he said, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Wow, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This was a definite statement. This was very categorical. This does not sound like a conjecture or a guesswork or some, you know, some equivocal speaking. He was not saying this could be. He was quite unequivocal about it. This is definitely the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but he that sent me to go and baptize revealed him to me saying that if you see someone coming like this and the spirit of the Lord rests upon him that is certainly the person Bible says in verse 32 and John bore witness it was very clear John bore witness saying I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it remained on him I did not know him but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining not just descending, descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. This was John. John was the one saying this. Nobody put a gun to his head. He was testifying for free. Out of conviction. There's something happened. The same John, book of Matthew chapter 11 that we read. The same John was asking, are you the one? Or should we wait for another? Lord Jesus, there are certain things that happen to people in life. Some calamities that will make them deny every conviction they have ever had. Everything. John was the one who told the whole world, behold the Lamb of God. It was the same John asking, are you the Lamb of God? Or should we wait for another one? Are you the Lamb of God? Should we wait for another one? Lord, I pray, may I not deny you. May calamity not scatter my head. That we ask, are you still the one who heals the sick? Are you still the one who raised the dead? May I not ask, is there another? Should I wait for another? Should I go seek power from another? John was in prison. This was how this chapter started John was in prison because of his 
situation at that point in time. Of course, you know when you are in prison, everybody denies you. In fact, let's clap for the two disciples that still went to visit John in the prison, whom he sent on that inglorious errand to go and ask the Messiah that he proclaimed to the world to go and confirm, are you still the Messiah? Are you still Jesus? Are you still that miracle worker? Are you still that deliverer? Are you still that one who breaks the prison doors? Are you still the one who opens the eyes of the blind? Bible says, when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent his two disciples, go and check. Please go and ask him for me. Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? If you listen very well to what John is not saying, you will get the message of what he said by the message he sent. John was not in doubt whether Christ was still powerful. Read your Bible. The Bible says when he heard about the works of Christ, so he knew definitely Christ was working. He knew definitely that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him and part of the evidences of that Spirit upon him was that he was empowered to bring deliverance. To open prison doors. Read your Bible, Isaiah 61. When Jesus was quoting that, he was empowered to open prison doors. To set the captives free. He knew that for sure. So this Jesus has the power to set captives free. I'm in prison right now. This Jesus, if you are the one, you have to come and prove it by saving me. This is exactly what John was saying. Listen, I'm reading Isaiah 61. Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And Jesus quoted this. When they gave him the scripture to read in the temple, he opened to this place. I read it and told them, In your eyes today, these scriptures have been fulfilled. So he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And John said, I know this scripture. I know this is part of the work of the Messiah. How come you have heard that I'm in prison and you have refused to do your work? I know you can do it. Why have you refused to do the work? Why have you refused to answer my own query? Why are you not doing something about my case? This is the question that John was really asking. He was not asking, are you really the Messiah? He was saying, can you not Messiah my case? So if they say you are Jesus, can you not Jesus my case? Can you not answer my case? And many of us are on John's table. Yes, we are on John's table. Why should I be a child of God and still have issues? He said he's powerful. He said he's my father. He said he loves me. He said he has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. How come these issues are all resolved? How come? We get offended. We get offended. We are humans. You know, when you think about your love for God, your zeal for Him... You know how you have done your, you, you, how you have lived your life for him, and somehow it appears that he's not showing up for you. It's easy to get offended. Don't let me kid you. Too easy to get offended. We can castigate John all we like. What John did was only human. On all levels, he felt he had the right to be offended. Remember, John was not only a relative of Jesus. John was the prophet that baptized and announced him to the world. In today's parlance, they will say John was his spiritual father. John was a relative of Jesus Christ. Remember how the mother of Jesus, Mary, went to the house of the mother of John, Elizabeth. How when Mary spoke, the baby in Elizabeth's womb, that is John, Left and the Holy Ghost fell upon Elizabeth and she began to prophesy. They were relatives. They, they have something in common. So if Jesus was not going to go and deliver John because John was his baptizer and announcer to Israel, at least he would do it because they were related by blood. So John felt pained 
Why will he be helping other people and he will not help me? And Jesus was telling the disciples, go and tell him, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the, the message of the gospel is preached to the poor. John was saying, can you not attend to my case too? Me too, I matter. We are all on that table. We have prayed, we have fasted, we have kept our lives pure. You have lived a good life, you have kept your virginity. Yes, nothing is happening, no man is coming, not even anybody sending you mistake, you know, just send you text mistake, I love you by mistake, nobody. And you're asking yourself, what else do I need to do? You have applied to all the schools, all the schools in the world, they know your name. Yes, no admission. What is going on? All the tutorial centers, they know you. You are the first person to enter the exam hall. You are the last person to leave when the result comes. Your name is at the bottom. You are asking God, why me? And somehow, we now get offended. And we begin to pick a quarrel with God. So some of us go to the length of keeping malice with God. I'm not going to talk to God. I'm not going to pray. I'm angry. I'm not going to pray about this matter again. I'm angry. It's painful, brother. I know, sister, it's very, 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 very painful. I've been there before. Very easy to get offended. You think you've done everything right. And the very things you desire, you don't have it. At the time that you think you should have it. You don't have it. And then we get offended. And then... We start doubting. Is this God really as powerful as the pastor says? Maybe things just happen coincidentally. Maybe it was not my prayer the last time that things happened. Maybe it was just coincidence. Maybe it was just, you know, some things just happened that we can't explain. Oh yes, I like the way you are thinking now. Some things happen that we can't explain. Some of those things are product of the sovereign choices of God. There are times... He chooses to deliver his children when they get into trouble. There are times he chooses to leave them. Hmm. Have you ever wondered why God allowed James to be beheaded? <laughs> and when it was Peter's turn, there was a jailbreak. Have you ever asked, uh, wondered why? Is God all by himself? He does what he likes for the purposes that we cannot understand. So if we get offended... Where do we take the case to? To which court are we going to sue the Lord? Jesus said, Blessed is he who is not offended by me. John was offended by him. Even though John was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the man who carried the spirit of Elijah. If I even go to verse 14 of the book that we read, Jesus said, see, if you guys can, can accept it. Say, this man, John, is actually Elijah in disguise. Because the spirit of God was upon him like that of Elijah. You know, if you read the book of Malachi very well, there were two references to Elijah. Which reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, the coming of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the judgment. Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, it talked about the fact that God will send his messenger ahead of the Lord. This John was the messenger. And John himself quoted this. John quoted this when they were asking him, Who are you? He said, I'm the voice. I'm that voice. Referring to the prophecy of Isaiah also. He said, I'm that voice. I'm that one who's supposed to come before him. John was that kind of person. Yet, yet, he missed it. God's sovereign ways are far higher than us. We will not fully comprehend it. We will not comprehend it. Of course, we know how John ended. His head was on a platter. His head was on a platter. He was on, he was not on death row. He was just in prison before this statement. But after this statement, he entered death row. Circumstances changed. Yet I get through. Lord have mercy. 
may I not invalidate the works that you have used my hand to build under circumstances of adversity Lord help me Lord help me I pray that I will not ebb after I have built so much that I will not lose confidence in you Lord Lord I don't know if this is your prayer I don't know if this is your prayer but this is mine I see how how painful this must have been the man who was the foreigner the Bible says concerning Jesus speaking concerning him he said and as they departed Jesus began to say to the multitude concerning John what did you go out into the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind but what did you go out to see a man clothed in soft garments indeed those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses but what did you go out to see a prophet say yes I say to you, I'm more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. May this not be my end. May this not be your end. Yes, we go through adversities in life. And at that point, we give up. And we get offended. We get offended. Our getting offended is not going to change what God has proposed to do. Before feeling entitled to divine intervention, check if you are the center of God's will for you at that point in time. Check. Are you doing what God says you should be doing at that point in time? Because sometimes it's by our own doings and undoings that we enter corners where God folds his arms and leaves us. And we see all of this scattered out through scriptures. John's ministry should have closed. He should have closed that ministry. The day that, that John chapter 1 verse 29 was fulfilled. The day he stood there to announce to the world behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world at that point he should disappear from ministry, he had finished his ministry at that point in time, he lingered when you linger you get into certain places that God did not send you, he folds his hands and watches you may I not miss it, may you not miss it may you not miss it may you not miss it, I want you to pray my time is up I want you to pray Lord may I not miss it may adversity not make me miss it there are adversities in life brethren and they come to everyone not only to unbelievers they come to believers too may i not miss it there was a time in the book of mark chapter 4 there was so much of an adversity called storm that the disciples of jesus insulted the lord is it that you are so callous and insensitive that you want to sleep while we die don't you care that we perish Disciples told Jesus that. There are different scales of adversity that can tear anybody's faith. I want you to pray for yourself this morning as you wrap this up. Lord Jesus, in the face of adversity, may I not get offended. May I not feel offended by you in the face of adversity. Whether I have or I do not have, no matter what I have and what I do not have, may it not lead me to offend you. Or pick offense in you for not stepping in to help me. This is a prayer for the mature. I want you to pray. Pray for yourself this morning. Pray for yourself this morning. May adversity not scatter your testimony. Pray for yourself. Pray that you will not end up on a note worse than what you started with. The Bible says better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. May my end not be worse than my beginning. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. In life, Jesus assured us of one thing. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Not you may, not you might, not probably. You will have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. 
Pray that when those tribulations come, you will stand. Offense will not take you away from Christ. Offense will not disconnect you from the testimony that you have built. The words that you have built with your words, with your works, and with your testimony. Adversity will not come and scatter it on your head. In the name of Jesus Christ. You have half a minute more to pray. Half a minute more to pray. Pray for yourself this morning. Lord, may I not miss it. May I not miss it in the name of Jesus Christ. In this life and in that to come. Lord, may I keep standing tall. May my testimony be preserved. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the things that you have challenged us with this morning. We pray for grace. Grace. To stand in the day of adversity. Bible says, uh, if you fail in the day of adversity, then your strength was not really up to anything reasonable. Lord God, we pray that our strength will be built in you in the name of Jesus Christ. And that we will not get offended in you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord God, whether we perish or we do not perish, Lord God, keep us trusting in you all the way. Whether you come true for us, or you do not come true for us. Lord, keep us standing true to you to the end. In the name of Jesus Christ. And like the Hebrew boys, they said, Even if our God will not save us, we still will not bow. Lord, we pray that we will not bow to the pressure of adversity. In the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be your holy name, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Put your hands together for Jesus We've come to the end of this particular series. And by the grace of God, starting from next Saturday, for the month of September, God has prepared something wonderful for us. We'll be beginning a fantastic new series. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag now. But I invite you to invite yourself and your friends. It's going to be a great time. What God has in store for us is huge. It's going to be a blessing to not only you, but to everyone that you know. In the name of Jesus, I enjoy you to stay around with us while we will take our announcements and offerings. God bless you. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for listening. To get copies of messages, kindly visit our ministry material store. And also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Dowder Street off Eric Moore, Lagos. God bless you.